the ASCO Leaders Reading Podcast with Jeff Barton. Uh, my name is Andrea Zakharaku. And, uh, Andrea, what, why do people know you so well? What is it that's happened to you in your career that um, makes you a well-known name in education? Um, I, in 2018, I was really fortunate enough to have won the Global Teacher Prize. Yeah, <laughs> it still I, sounds I so weird. Watching, I remember watching from the from the back of the back of the hall. An extraordinary moment. How how has that um, ch- changed your life as a teacher? Uh, it has immensely, but also may has made me more realise that um, this profession is really special, and it's not valued as much as it should be. Um, I've had opportunities which I I can't you know it's just beyond beyond imagination really um, in terms of who I've met opportunities that have come my way um, but um, yeah I'm I'm still teaching in the classroom which is wonderful I'm still enjoying um, doing what I'm doing and and flying the flags for teachers I think so I think that that's that's my new purpose in life. Good for you and you you've got this lo- lovely new book which I really enjoyed Lessons in Life What We Can All Learn from the World's Best Teachers and we'll talk about that uh, in just a second but just tell us a little bit about your background as a teacher were you always kind of destined to become uh, a teacher of art? Oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely and actually I, and I, some of the earlier stories that my mum used to tell me when I was little was um you know I used when she used to go to parents' evening in my primary school, she used to come back and tell me off and say, "Andrea, you must stop bossing your teachers. They keep on telling them that you're telling them what to do." You know, so this was me when I was about probably eight years old. Um, you know, telling my teacher how I should be doing things and other and other memories I've had, um, which I just love, was just sitting in my own art room and I was doing Year Ten GCSE art and saying to myself, "Right, when I have an art room, I'm going to have fabric draping across the wall there. I'm going to." have um i'm going to put the paint palettes over here so i was you know doing my interior decoration of of what my classroom will be like what my world will be like so yeah i think it was in the books and uh in and uh you know in my destiny and um yeah and i'm delighted it has been and still is because presumably with your um talent and interest in in the the arts you could have done other things you could have become an interior designer and things like that what was it distinctively about teaching that made you think i I want to do that and i want to be in the classroom oh that's a really good question um because in my other lives i'd say if i wasn't a teacher i'd definitely be an interior decorator but um i just I, i love i love working with young people i love working with young people and that's something that um, teachers come up to me when they're you know you know what's it like being a teacher and I'd say to them do you like young people are you happy in that environment are you happy working with them continuously because that's what teaching's like and um, that's what I love I love being in the classroom environment I love watching the journey of them you know trying something and growing and possibly failing but then um, you know fixing mistakes and just being on that journey with them and helping them and being their guide that that's what is the most precious thing about teaching for me and what comes through from your book is the opening chapter is is the introduction and it is in one sense it's not about you it's about a particular young man alvaro you couldn't you couldn't just tell us about alvaro because i was i was incredibly struck by the way in which what was happening in the classroom was partly the subject but partly it's the relationship between a child and an adult in the way that teachers suddenly draw people out of themselves can you can you just tell us what happens with him yeah i mean alvaro was i think you know you know you you have students in your life who you um, teach but actually they're the ones who have taught you about what life is about and what teaching is about and what it is 
um, to be a young person. And with Alvaro, he had so many, he came to our school in year 10, um, and he came from a special educational needs school, um, and he had lots of complex challenges. And when he came to the school, uh, his parents said, um, oh, I, you know, we, we know he won't get a GCSE, we know, we just, but we want him to come to a mainstream school, you know, we want him to be part of a, this community. And, you know, I just thought, oh my God, you know, parents saying that they've got very, you know, he won't, he won't, he can't achieve. Um, so he came to, he came into my classroom and he was absolutely terrified because um, in my classroom I'd had, you know, there's 26 other young people there. It was quite busy. It's quite, you know, there's lots of, there's, there's lots of activities going on. There's music in the background, you know, they're working, um, but it must have been so intimidated for him. And um, he came in. He sat down and for about two weeks he didn't say a thing, he didn't, he didn't communicate, his eyes were down and this was I think in my second year of teaching and, and, and I, was, I was terrified, I was like oh my god, I'm going to get you the first GCSEU grade in my life, oh my god, so uh, I was like what is going, you know, how, how can I teach this child yeah. and, then, um, and then what happened was I set a homework a couple of weeks later and um, when, you know, the students gave him the homework, he didn't give in his homework, but as he left the classroom when all the other students were dismissed, he, he crept up to me and he just put a, ta a piece of work on my desk. And um, I did one of those kind of double looks, you know, and I was like, oh my God! And it was, what I saw was a drawing of the most incredible bass guitar, a pencil drawing that you've ever seen in your life. And I knew it was him because you know how kids always sign their names at the bottom of their artwork when they're proud of it. Yeah. Um, he he did that, yeah. and uh, it, it it was you know he, he probably copied it from somewhere, but it was just stunning. And I was like, okay, I can, I will. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And so I completely went up to him, um, invaded his his space. I was like, Alvaro, did you do this? This is amazing. Is this? Did you do this piece of work? The poor kid was traumatized. He had this wild Greek teacher in front of him, like saying, you know, you know, like almost, almost, almost <laughs> with her hands up, shaking, saying, you know, is, is this is, is this your work? And he nodded. And then I was like, right, okay, that was the moment. So I just, you know, said, do not move. Grabbed one of those plastic portfolios that we have in the art rooms. To, um, threw everything I had in my bottom drawer, which is, you know, palettes and oil pastels and pencils and whatever. Um, and said to him, I'd like you to draw these five things, come back next week with these five things, can you repeat after me? He, was, he, he wasn't able to. But I said, do you understand? He said, yes, I understood. And then I thought, right, okay. So two weeks later, he came back and um, he produced all those artworks and there was no turning back since then. Um, in year 11, he got a grade, uh, old language, a grade D, and um, he was two marks away from a grade, uh, or three marks away from a grade C. I was, um, I was more, I was really upset. He was delighted. His parents were like, "Oh my God, my child has a GCSE grade, the only GCSE grade he had." Yeah. I was mortified. I was like, "No, he was only three months away from a C, and if he had a C, you know." So, um, but eventually, we, um, with a little bit of uh, <laughs> wheeling and dealing, um, the, the the head teacher um, allowed us for him to sit A level art, and he, um, with a lot of support from the whole of the art department. He got a grade A for art and design, A level wow. standard, and then he also got an A le an, an, a grade A for photography, which he did a couple of years later. So um, yeah, so he he's a student that I think had the most impact, the biggest impact on me as a teacher, and the fact that when he came in, I, it already my mindset, his parents said he can't achieve, he won't achieve, 
And that was instilled in me as well a little bit. So what I learned from Alvaro was the fact that actually every child can achieve and we've got to find a way to make that happen. It's an amazing um, story, but but what what it does is it paves the way in the book for you to talk to these people from from around the world who you've kind of interacted with through the Global um, Teacher Award and just to talk to them, some of them in incredibly difficult circumstances. And what you say at the end of the introduction is that what, in a sense, unites all of these different voices of the teaching profession you speak to is a sense of bravery. Just just explain what you mean by that. We all have these teachers in our schools, like they're like the mavericks, <laughs> the ones who slightly do things differently um, and, you know, maybe sometimes break a rule or two or um, push the boundaries. But I think that what, what I've learned from these teachers is that the, they were brave in terms of um, following their heart in thinking child first above everything else, uh, you know, going above and beyond in terms of, um, you know, beyond the five o'clock deadline um, after school. Uh, and they, they, they completely invested themselves in building relationships with children, uh, making things happen and spotting actually, this is what this child needs, not what's in this policy. This is what this child needs, not what's in the curriculum. And as a result of that, this is what I need to do. And it's about sometimes, you know, breaking the mold, manipulating, not breaking the rules, but manipulating the rules, um, you know, to to, to make sure that (laughs) that child has a sense of achievement and their identity is recognised. And we, we know now that young people, they're living in a very complex era. And if I was to ask every teacher in the world, would you like to be a teenager again? They'll all say, hell no, <laughs> you must be joking. Um, and as a result of that, I think there's more that we could be doing or we need to be doing, but we haven't got the tools or the skills or, the, or sometimes the confidence to do that in our schools. And just talk through the book, because the book is a series of, of um, kind of profiles of some of these different people. Can you, can you, when we talk about that, who, who suddenly springs springs to mind for you as someone who you uh, admired particularly or learned a great deal from, or they were overcoming the adversity of their situation in order to do precisely what you say, which is to draw the talents out of young people? You see, what what I love about this story, this book is is, is just... When I was meeting the teachers and interviewing them, my my jaw was dropping because of the, the different contexts which are, which occurred around yeah. the world. The similarities are very very are there. You know, it's wonderful. The moment yeah. you speak to to any of these teachers, you just that's it. You're kind of lost for a couple of hours talking about education and this this is what we do. It's my school. Blah, blah, blah. Um, but what stood out was their context and thinking sometimes. Oh my god. You know, I didn't realise that. So one of the one of the teachers who really inspired me, and that, you know, it's really hard to say that because yeah, you know, these are I selected these teachers because they're really precious people, really precious. But one of them was Maggie O'Donnell, and she had a really interesting, uh, a really interesting, uh, I don't know what profession, um, whereby she was teaching in the, the tiniest Inuit village um, in the northern parts of of Canada, um, and the life expectancy for her children were. Um, 16 uh, and you know just think about that so when you're 16 you know you are gonna have either you know you're at you're very high at risk of committing suicide or going off the rails or drug overdose and this is her this was her normal community so 
th th this is what makes me think, oh my God, what an incredible resilient teacher and how she would have to deal with that and, and attend funerals of her own children and how she would rally the kids and get them out of that ditch and out of that, um, you know, th that, that despair that they were in all the time. Um, and uh, the story there was because of the, the the trauma which that local community suffered through through the years. Um, many of the many of the young people they wouldn't live beyond you know that the, the expectancy was sixteen, but many wouldn't live beyond eighteen, or they'd be in prison, or they'd be committing suicide. So they had very low aspirations. Um, and it was about her navigating and finding solutions and you know, building resilience and, and just problem solving. Uh, and, uh, and as a result, you know, she was really successful in achieving what, what, what you know, she needed to do. And that was to, you know, I know it sounds really sad, but she was saving lives through education and through feeling, making young people feel their sense of worth. Um, and I think her story is really special, really, really special. Yeah. I guess inevitably, when you're talking to, to people who are teaching in all of these different contexts, so you're in Canada, you've got people teaching in the Lebanon, people in the UK, people in China, you know, all th this gen genuinely is a story of global teaching in all these different contexts. I guess inevitably it kind of gets you to hold up a mirror to what teaching is like in this country. What, what does it make you think about the, the UK and particularly the English education system? Does it all seem a little bit kind of narrow and we've lost a sense of the, the the greater purpose i think i think we live our, our system's really old-fashioned if we were to kind of um think about how our young people did so there's some countries who in terms of the curriculum it's much more inquisitive so it's the teachers are facilitators and the young people lead the learning especially when it comes into high school um, and that the, the um, people from Norway, they have this particular trend in, in the curriculum and, and it's working really well. Um, our, you know, I, I think what we're very good at doing is categorising our young people. So you fit into this box, therefore you should do this. You should be fitting into that box. So we don't give them a choice. Um, there's no kind of holistic uh it, it doesn't just it doesn't fit in very well. It, there's no holistic overlook, you know, that sometimes the, the the children's developmental needs, their social needs, their emotional needs are not really part of the curriculum. And that's sad. I think we also have this uh, tendency of having high achieving students in one area, but the low achieving students, um, you know, that's that's the only curriculum that you should be following. There's not enough opportunities there. So. Yeah, it is very limiting. But I think on the other hand, I think we have got some really great practice in our school, in, 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 our, in our country. And I think what makes me really amazed about our teachers is how how hard they work and how long they work. You know, um, I think that's the thing which blows me away. Like, you know, the, you know, you know every teacher works during half term. Every teacher works beyond the school day. Every teacher does, you know, in, in, in the UK and, and sometimes in other countries this, you know, it's like, no, I, I will now leave. And I think a lot of that is because in our educational system, teachers aren't trusted. <laughs> we have, we, you know, our professional um, judgments are not valued. And that's really sad. That's really sad. Everything is about external examination, external assessment. Um, and I think that that's the, that's the sad part. And that's, that's, that's the dangerous part of our educational system. And as a result of that, that's why teachers are leaving and, you know, teachers are exhausting and finding new solutions and, and different things in their lives. Well, it's a, it's a really uplifting book and a very optimistic book and it re reaffirms the importance of the teacher's skill in their own right rather than thinking there's some kind of downloadable template to how you teach a particular subject, etc. What you're saying here, it's 
it's about the hum- humanity of the older generation helping the younger generation. My, my, my last question is, what, in reading uh, these different insights into these different people, what, what do you hope the reader is going to gain from that? Well, I, I, it sounds really che- cheesy, but, but I just feel I'm a better person, you know. And it, just, just listening to their stories and what they did and, you know, some of their advice. So, you know, the advice about technology from Miriam, you know, you, you, you know don't be frightened about technology, parents. And I think this is also kind of like a how-to parent book. Um, and we all, you know, everyone needs support if you're a parent with young teenagers at the moment. But I think there's something there in terms of, you know, don't be frightened about te- like learning maths and, you know, working with your child and making sure you ask them how the day was, what happened. So there, there is something there at parenting. Um, but I just feel after doing all of these interviews, I just sat back and I thought, I just love my profession. <laughs> Look at the impact we're having. Look, look how we're. Look how it's not just me. This is my team, and you know, there's teams of thousands of teachers across the world that we've all we're all in it. We're all in it together, and and um, we're all we've all got our precious stories, and we're all changing lives and making a difference. And there's something there, but yeah, I know it's cheesy. It's like super, super, super mozzarella, like laid on thick. But um, yeah, it, I, I do think that it has made me a, you know, it's made me a better person and, and probably a better parent as well um, from some some of the strategies which the teach that these teachers have shared with me. I, I totally get that. And you you spell it out so clearly. You say you say at the beginning of the book as teachers we don't know what can trigger this. It's the Alvaro uh, e- example that suddenly something unlocks something in that young man. And I also think your point about parents. You know, you say at another point in the book. I think children can find it easier to talk to a teacher than they can do to their own parents. And that's what I mean. The book is essentially a celebration of humanity, what we, the humans, can do. We can leave the robots to do all of their boring stuff and the algorithms and so on. This is all about the humanity of stuff. It's a, it's a lovely book, Andrea. Th- thanks so much for, for, for spending some time talking about it now and all the, all the best. And thanks for being an inspiration in your teaching as well. You, you do great work. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you. The Askell Leaders Reading Podcast with Jeff Barton.